0: the totally super podcast is coming to geeks radio justin and arthur review every superhero movie ever made search for totally super podcast on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts totally super podcast 2017 Warning the following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show.
1: Welcome to Pop Off. This is Arthur. My name's Justin. And today we are going to be talking about Firefly. Uh, this is Woo-hoo! part two of our Firefly talk. Uh, last time we ended up talking about the show as a whole, as well as uh, really doing a deep dive into the characters. And uh, so today we're going to try to do things as an episode by episode. Um,
0: yeah, this is our, uh, our. you could almost say this is like part 11 of our Buffy the Vampire Slayer review. <laughs> Uh we just couldn't let Joss go without uh without getting into uh the adventures of Captain Malcolm Reynolds. Uh so uh I am excited, man. This is yeah. gonna be fun. Um, yeah.
1: it, uh I have to say the uh um something that we touched on before and everything, talking about the generations of uh people who are Joss fans. Uh I actually had uh one friend uh who is a podcast listener who uh said that she uh when I was talking about this cast she said uh, oh I don't know anything about Buffy and Angel but I'll definitely listen when you guys get to Firefly and I had to you know just calmly take a moment and breathe and, uh, and you know there's
0: a part of me that wonders if Buffy and Angel are it's like it's it's a little too impenetrable like Firefly is easy to commit to it's like it's mm-hmm. you know it's 12 episodes in a movie as opposed to you know a combined 12 years of television that you have that's to that's very do. true yeah and I, I and think that I think that's one of the reasons that it found such success in the DVD aftermarket was because it was a it was an easy commitment to make to to watch this show yeah. um after it was all done which is to its it benefit although, although also to its you know to all of our ultimate chagrin that it would you know mm-hmm. be cut so short.
1: And I definitely feel like the one season of Firefly uh in terms of an episode per episode Quality level uh, is better than any single season of Buffy or Angel. If I had yeah. to rank them,
0: uh, I I don't know if I agree, but you know it's. But I could see how one would say that. I also think that you know, you know, I think that the reason that, for instance, Nirvana is continued, you know, continually thought of as you know one of the greatest rock bands ever in the world is because of the untimely death of Kurt Cobain. Uh, you know, should he not have died. Urbana... Ur, Ur, Urbana? Uh, Nirvana. <laughs> Urbana, totally different thing. <laughs> Urbana. Um, uh, Nirvana would be out there, you know, right now, touring with, you know, touring with Pearl Jam, you know, with their their niche fans who, who like them, and they would mm-hmm. be one of the greatest bands of the 90s, but not one of the greatest bands of all time. And I think that maybe its mortality um, is one of the reasons it's seen as what it is, because it's, you know... Had it gone seven years, maybe we wouldn't go, oh, it was just this perfect show. Well, certainly there's something to be said for the existence
1: of the sophomore slump. Like, almost always, a band's second album is not going to be as good as its first. And uh, the reason that they give for that is, well, you have 10 years to write your first album and only two to write your second. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, I mean, Firefly came out of the gate incredibly strong but for all we know, it might have gone south at some point. They might have run out of material. Uh, we can't know that for sure. But certainly, what we're left with is just uh, twelve or thirteen extraordinarily good episodes,
0: I, uh, which is what I'm, we will
1: be talking about today.
0: I'm struck by the date, man. I got to tell you that that I look at the date on there and I go, "Oh my gosh, there are 15 year olds that were like being born when this was coming out." Like this, in three years, there will be adults. Uh, for whom this was a show that came out before they were born. The show that for, is. Yeah. That's amazing.
1: The very first episode aired on September 20th, 2002.
0: Yeah, no, one of the things I really like about this show um, and the air dates of it is that it's not confusing at all. I can't at all see why viewers would have a hard time connecting with this show that so clearly aired in the proper order. Um, Yeah. (laughs) As we can see, the first episode having aired in December and the second episode having aired three months prior. Yeah. Um, Which I guess is something else we should talk about real quick. We should, because you know, it occurs
1: to me there's probably a decent amount of listeners who only know it from the... Uh, from the DVD and weren't exactly around during the uh, tumultuous times of the viewings of it uh, in, uh, in live TV. What Fox did was they decided that the pilot, uh, Serenity, which essentially does the job of introducing all the characters in the situation, they decided that it was just too slow building. So they said we're not going to air it. just uh, make us a you know a faster paced one which is where we got the train job, which is a great episode. But, sure. But not a great way to start something. Basically, it drops us in and made the arrests in the middle of the action. Uh, and the episode does a decent job of sort of explaining to us the, oh, okay, so I guess that guy's the captain and that guy's the pilot. And I mean, yeah, uh, it's okay. clearly,
0: that within its writing, and we'll get there, it's clear it clearly is taking some time to do a little bit of introduction, but it's mm-hmm. not, like, for goodness sake, Fox...
1: Yeah, but nowhere near the level of, and you know, it's, it is an interesting thing because to, to look back, you know, this many years later and think what a stupid idea. Uh, well, first I still hold to that, that it was a bad idea, but I can understand the reasoning that went into that bad call. Keep in mind, this was, we were just entering the area, the era of reality TV. Uh, the, uh, the aughts, the early aughts, um, is that how we call them now? The aught like there's. No, I don't know. I say the early two thousands. I guess mean, the early two thousands, yeah. but that's such a mouthful. Um, the I'm going to go with the aughts, just because it makes me feel like a turn of the century knickerbocker. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the aughts were not a good time for television. Uh, for those of you who are in this era of Netflix and Hulu and all sorts of unbelievable. Original content that's being put out. Uh, there was a few years where television was nothing short of a vast wasteland of reality TV and uh, really schlocky writing. Um, and this was sort of the beginning of that era. So, and part of that was defined by the viewers. I mean, if the viewers hadn't turned it, tuned in so uh, spectacularly to reality TV then uh, the studios wouldn't have made it. Uh, now, so I, can...
0: I hate to argue with you, sir. I hate to argue with you, sir, because while you say it is a vast wasteland, um, I will step out and say that two of the greatest shows of all time are from the first half of the odds. Um, uh, shows that you introduced me to, uh, uh, both Lost and Battlestar Galactica, are from 2004.
1: Very true. Uh, That is very true. I would I will completely agree with you on that. I would also uh, I would also say that even the Sahara Desert has a few oases in it. Sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, but and that was the thing with Battlestar was that it was seen very much ahead of its time because uh, because it was actually heavy and slow paced writing. Uh, yeah, I would great. say that
0: they were trying to. I think that they're. I guess you know. I'm, and I'm more arguing with you just to be a dick. Um, mm-hmm. that, what? that what what me no. <laughs> um, but there, uh, there was I guess this pushback um, within, uh, and maybe this is what began the push toward you know such uh, on in TV such a strong strong push toward geek culture, um, which was. It's, if you look at the pushback for it, it's all genre TV that's pushing back in such yeah. a huge way. Now, yes, true. The, the West Wing was happening at the same time uh, and, uh, and you had some other things. 24 was really good at the time. Um, but what you had so strongly in in Lost and Firefly and Battlestar and the first season of Heroes, which I'll hold up there as being an amazing season of television, mm-hmm. um, uh, was the idea of this long form storytelling of 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 genre of genre fiction, which was you know what. I knew from growing up and reading comic books, I mean, that's what comic books were is you would, you would read an, a, a, an issue and then you'd, ha- you know, the issue would just lead into the next issue and lead to the next issue. And you'd have, you know, sequences. I remember reading, you know, Inferno or fall of the mutants when I was, you know, in the eighties, when I was reading X-Men and just going, it's, it was one large thing, you know, separated by 10 small stories that you could like, it was, a, it was a format that was very familiar to me and probably to a lot of different viewers. Mm-hmm. So it may be what we see now, which is, you know, if you look at the CW, for instance, the CW is now entirely superhero shows. That's it's true. It's like, like everything on it, even shows that don't seem like superhero shows, like I zombie or the vampire diaries are about people with superpowers, basically like fighting crime mm-hmm. in their own, in their own weird way. Yeah. Um and I think that the pushback against what you're talking about might have been the 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 impetus might
1: be starting here. I think that's, here. A, that's a good point. I mean, it is entirely likely that the uh the golden age this new golden age of television that we're in right now is in many ways because of the wasteland of the aughts. Uh in much the same way that I now granted this might be because Uh, I went to high school in the 90s, but for me, the 90s is one of the greatest decades of, uh, particularly the late 90s, is one of the greatest decades of music uh, that's out there. No, I agree. I'm convinced that a lot of that is because of the 80s, in which you had everybody trying everything and experimenting with everything, and basically the concept of, ooh, look at this stuff that we can do with this new electronic music that we've discovered. Let's do everything with it without really stopping to ask if we should. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, but it was because of that, that all that experimentation got done and you got a real pushback into the nineties. The nineties saw the rise of the singer song or the re rise of the singer songwriter. Uh, you had a real pushback towards acoustic Again, but it was acoustic that still used some of the benefits of the things that they'd learned in the 80s. Uh, So lots of times, a really, really bad era of television or music or any form of art can give rise to a really, really good one. Uh,
0: And I'm sure that there are people out there who are not into genre fiction who would not necessarily see this as the golden age of television right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure there, there. You know, for them, there's, you know, House of Cards and mm-hmm. there's not like even like like in in this era where where I literally will have something to watch for like I've got like 6 7 shows on my summer watching list um you know I'm about to finish Arrow which is the you know the the three three of the four like big DC shows that are on um and then I'm going to jump over to Gotham like the fact that I have all mm-hmm. this um You know, it was a wasteland, at least for us, I would say back then, because it's like at this time, you know, you had in 2002. I'm trying to think back. I think Enterprise was nearly on its way out. Mm -hmm. It was all that's all the Star Trek you had. Buffy, uh, Buffy and Angel were on at the same time as this. So you had that. If you were a Joss fan already, this was the best you were ever going to get. Like the idea Mm -hmm. you had a Joss. Can you imagine yeah, I mean, can you freaking imagine that you had, like, there was this time, maybe you could imagine because you were watching it live, I don't know, but, like, there, if you were a huge Buffy, and, and if this show also, like, like, tickled your fancy, you would be able three nights a week to see a Joss Whedon show?
1: This was actually the time that I was just starting to get into Joss Whedon. Uh, like, I distinctly remember watching the premiere of Firefly, which was the train job, and thinking it was pretty good. Uh, I was enjoying it. The... The moment that keyed me into, oh, this could be something more uh this could actually be really good was the scene at the end of the train job, uh which we might as well just dive on into or uh well I'll just I'll mention it that and then we'll I'll mention this one scene then we'll go back to the pilot uh was where they uh they've essentially captured the people who were coming after them and you know mal. Puts the big bad guy down on his knees and says, "Okay, so here's the thing. Just, uh, you know, go back to your boss and tell him we're we're returning the money he paid us. We're not going to steal the medicine and everything. Just big, you know, big misunderstanding all around. This is for the best." And then the guy's like, "No, save the money. Use it for your funeral. Because I swear I will never stop coming after you." And Mal just has that moment. Then he goes, "Well, darn!" And then kicks him into the engine uh, (laughs) in a in a surprisingly fast and violent kill. Uh, you know, following which they immediately bring the second in command up. And he says, so go ahead, talk. yeah, 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 yeah. Go back, tell the boss and everything totally for the best. I get it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I, I remember watching that. And because this was about the time I was first starting to get into Buffy and Angel too. uh, It was that kind of really brilliant, clever writing that made me say, ooh, oh, that was fun. I enjoyed that. That being said, because of the fact that it aired on Friday night at I think 8 That may have been the one episode of Firefly that I ever actually saw
0: live. The death Uh, slot. The death slot for TV. It is the
1: absolute death slot for TV. Everything about that show was something that I really would have enjoyed watching. But this was... I mean, this was before TiVo, practically. Uh, Huh. The... So... It just goes to show the... You know, scheduling is everything. That, I mean, Firefly is geared for somebody like me. And even I couldn't bring myself to watch a show Friday night at 8 o'clock.
0: Well, so. and also when they, you know, there was the train job for as good as it was gave you something. And we'll talk, we'll get into it. But it gave you something, you know, to go, oh, that's a good show, but no reason to tune in next week. And that's the big thing about, you know, what TV has done now is it's TV now is, is about wanting to tune in next week to see the story continue. The train well, job is th- not necessarily and it's not just lend a, to that. Wanting
1: to see the the story continue because again we've talked about like the, I don't mind my monster of the week episodes. I actually kind of love them. Uh, what the train job did was showed me oh these are interesting characters. What Serenity the true pilot did was made me really fall for the characters. Uh, it made me want to see what happens next to these characters even without a cliffhanger. Uh, so I'd say that's the big difference.
0: Well, let's ju- jump into it
1: then. The Let's, uh, uh, Serenity, let's talk
0: yeah. about the episode Serenity. Uh,
1: so essentially, this one starts out. I will read from the Firefly Wikia here, a very short one. Uh, Malcolm Reynolds is a veteran and the captain of Serenity. He and his crew are smuggling goods, but they need to pick up some passengers for extra money. However, not all of the passengers are what they seem. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, so, this is essentially the, uh, the meat cute for every single character. Yeah. Uh, it starts S- with Mal. And so, the crew currently is Mal and I believe Jane, Kaylee, Zoe, Zoe and, and Wash. Wash. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Wash has possibly one of the greatest intro. I mean, talk about being able to say so much about a character just by their introduction uh wash's now famous uh dinosaur diorama uh <laughs> is possibly one of the greatest introductions of any character that we've ever seen.
0: It tells you all of everything you need need to know about him immediately mm-hmm. yeah um i uh I will go toe to toe with you there and say that mouse is better um talk about uh, Mouse. The episode starts uh, not on Serenity, but uh, for in the battle Battle of Serenity Valley, uh, oh, where yeah, you see uh, the Alliance uh, attacking um, the you know attacking Serenity Valley, being defended by by Captain Malcolm Reynolds, or at the time uh, Sergeant Malcolm Reynolds, uh, with uh, his sort of right hand person uh, Zoe there at his side. Uh, Malcolm Reynolds is a man of faith. Who believes in his cause? Uh, a man of uh, honor who would never do anything uh, in any way, you know, in, in any way, roguish. Uh, he is a man uh, who believes that that God will provide justice uh, because that's what uh, that's what he deserves against the, the alliance um he puts that faith uh, forward into his men uh fighting the inevitable turn of uh of of the alliance against the the valley knowing that uh the browncoats are going to come to his aid and they don't um the battle is too hot the alliance shows up um uh kills the the boy next to him that he was just encouraging with his faith um and you see the destruction of that good man um yeah and I,
1: that's true in one shot you see it's you see the moment that a man's faith breaks
0: um i would say that this is the faith that is restored by the end of the movie that we'll talk about next week that uh that that if this show has a story um that that carries on because i would say that it is there isn't a big bad so to speak uh in in these 12 episodes. If the show has a story, it is, uh, the, the redemption of Malcolm Reynolds. And we see, um, we see his breaking in this moment. Um, I am, I am stunned by this opening scene. It is Mm -hmm. heart wrenching and very difficult to watch.
1: Yeah, no, that's very true. Uh, yeah. And, uh, (laughs) that's true because he's even you, you see him kissing a cross around his neck in yeah. this moment and pretty much for the rest of the season Malcolm wants nothing to do with God uh, yeah there
0: are that. mentions of God and he you know that's a long way for a train don't come mm-hmm. you know as he says it's it's yeah. a it's a it's a tough it's a tough thing to see I love that Zoe is kind of always Zoe, um, which mm-hmm. I think is a perfect way to to look at her character. As is, I don't want to say she's unchanging, mm-hmm. but she's uh, she is um, stalwart. She is yeah. she is who she is, and I love. Well, you, you get know, the sense that you
1: get the sense that Zoe had an understanding and acceptance of the way the world really works uh, long before Mal came to his grim conclusion. Uh, so um, zoe Zoe has made pe- Zoe made peace with that a yeah. long time ago
0: um uh and it's funny because we're we're gonna sit here and we're gonna say every character that we get to we're gonna go ah that can't be the best one because about what about this one because we meet Kaylee we 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 meet Kaylee uh and she is also uh perfectly introduced all right talk um, about that one um, well, they are uh, there and I forget the name of the planet uh, that they're on. Uh, what's the main planet in the in the show? Anyway, they're 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 uh, they're on a planet when we meet Kaylee and uh, she's just sort of sitting there holding a uh, hold, holding a, a, an umbrella um, and you just kind of get everything you need to know about her. But it's not it's not that introduction when you first meet her, but rather once she's on the ship and Shepherd Book has has arrived, um, she eats a strawberry and her eating of the of of the strawberry this first episode tells me everything I need to know about her she is she is somehow sensual and innocent at the same time funny and and almost doe-eyed while also being worldly and it's it's there's just in one scene you see her ability to suck the to to suck the marrow out of a moment and I, I it's it's stunning Mm-hmm. it's done
1: yeah a tremendous lust for life
0: yeah um uh talk to me uh talk to me a little bit about um about y- what you think of the introduction of shepherd book because i would say it's maybe it's not this it's the least strong i would well is it's the opinion.
1: well what it is it's a very traditional uh it's a very traditional archetypical introduction of the wandering preacher uh you know i'd forget the exact details of it, but essentially him coming up. He's clearly somebody with nowhere in particular to go. Uh, And uh, just sort of, you know, especially from his interaction with Kaylee, who of course charms him. uh, You know, I get the sense from it that he looks at Kaylee and looks at the ship and says, well, this place is as good as any. Uh, And I I think that's the thing with Shepard Book is that because of his archetype, Uh, It's hard to make him quite as interesting as some of the other major players in this. But that being said, he plays a crucial support role. Uh, It's sort of like if you you think of a a volleyball game, there's some people who spike the ball and some people who do the setup. Uh, The people who do the set, you know, in the moment, they never get the glory of the person who does the spike. But the quality of the spike has everything to do with how good the setup is. Shepherd book is one of those setup characters. Um, you know, every now and then he'll get these you know little individual moments to shine, but compared to the, uh, you know, compared to the goofy antics of Wash, sure. uh, you know, or the or Kaylee's lust for life, it's he's more muted of a character, but no less crucial to the overall uh, to the overall drive of the show.
0: When we meet Simon at the beginning of the show, um, I have to. I have to reconcile um, Simon from the movie Serenity from Simon from the episode Serenity because they're different. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he, I he's downright unli- downright unlikable in uh, in this first episode. Now are you talking the
1: character, or the actor, or both.
0: Um, I gotta say the ca- the character as portrayed by the actor, but the I find the character as portrayed by the actor to be very likable in the movie Serenity. So I'm going to have to say the character, maybe it is maybe a choice. Um, uh, Maybe it's his discomfort in this environment and this environment's discomfort with him.
1: Well, everything about him reeks of core world elitism.
0: Yes. Um, uh, His sister, however, um, River's introduction um, is beautiful and, and is almost the, is almost the thesis for the show because, because a box opens there's a naked girl inside. Mal looks at it and says, huh. huh.
1: <laughs> and I have to say that's true because that's, a mu- it's, this, you know, the music swells with violins or whatever it is. There's this, there's this incredibly tender, beautiful moment of seeing this precious package of, you know, this naked girl uh, under, you know, that's lit from below uh, in the crate. And, like, again, it's this beautiful moment. And then we have a Joss undercut of Mal just looking and going, huh, to it. Uh, and I have to say, personally as an actor, I've taken it as a personal challenge, uh, and my wife will attest to this, nearly every show I have ever done since re-watching the DVDs of Firefly, I have tried to get a, huh, in there. Nice. Just because, it's, well, it's such a powerful undercurrent, it's such a powerful sure. undercut. Um, it shows understanding with, with amusement, so. Yeah. Uh, so um, oh, yeah, that's a tremendously powerful start.
0: You uh, know, I think we know who Jane is the minute you see him, and that's good too. Um, I think it's good that 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 Jane seems so two dimensional in this show. It gives the opportunity, whereas whereas River is immediately almost four dimensional. You know, she's got so much yeah. dimension the minute you meet her. Jane is such a a a cardboard cutout of a character that it's fun to watch him gain dimension as the show goes on. But I think that his mm-hmm. you just kind of know who he is from moment one. In, yeah. in this first episode
1: so let's uh um just because we i'm realizing if we take a moment to really go blow by blow of every moment and every scene in every episode we'll be here for another five uh podcasts uh <laughs> so talk about some of the things that uh, let's wrap up essentially serenity ends with uh, you know the gang all together and ready to, yeah. to take off the, what the, are some the, what are some final things that really jumped out to you in the first episode
0: uh, I was I was just going to say that the uh, that that the other thing the only other thing that I really think needs to stand out on this episode was the way that they introduced the reavers. Um, the reavers yes. are never are never scarier, not even when you see them in Serenity, than they are here. Um, it's just a quiet, silent oh, it's scene. Fantastic, yeah. Where where there's a ship, a scary looking ship, and it's just kind of going by, and you. You just have to sit and wait, and you feel like they can get you at any time. It is, mm-hmm. and all you see is the
1: fear. All all you see is the re- They never they never talk about what the reavers are. There's never a moment of, and this is such an easy trap that other shows have fallen into. There's never a moment where you've got the newbie who's meant to be the stand-in for the audience going reavers. What are reavers? And somebody explaining it. Not there's none of that. Everybody knows who the hell reavers are, and you see it cl- plainly written on. Everybody's face uh, yeah. as it happens. Uh, interesting thing. I think we talked about this uh, not on the podcast, but before. I don't know if this is urban myth or not, but the you know a lot of people have wondered the uh, the syringe that Enara takes out and holds uh-huh. uh, while that's going by. Uh, the first theory was, of course, that's you know essentially it would be poison, so that she'd she'd rather kill herself than be taken by the reavers. Uh, the, supposedly there was some panel somewhere where they were talking about what was in that syringe. And again, this is urban myth, but I like it. Uh, the idea was later on it would be revealed what that syringe actually is is something that all the companions have, that it is a poison that they inject into themselves that kills anybody uh, who has sex with them. Uh essentially Ooh. a you know, it's essentially a means of uh you know, of killing your rapist. Uh the supposedly one of the episode ideas that they had was, and this is truly chilling, uh the uh you know, and actually I'll say chilling to a little degree of almost a trigger warning. Um the one of the episode ideas they had was that Inara was kidnapped by the Reavers. And when they, you know, when they would go and, you know, they would finally find her, she would be huddled in a corner with that empty syringe surrounded by literally a dozen dead Reavers.
0: Oh, it's with dark. This,
1: with this, with this concept, which says something about the Reavers too, with this concept of yeah. even knowing what happens, they still went through with it. I mean, it is, it, it is, it is yeah, dark. I'm, it is dark as hell. Even I am maybe you know, glad that that didn't Joseph. happen. Again, like, could entirely be urban myth. So yeah. I don't even know if this was actually a thought from the thing, but it's just some story that I heard out there, uh, and uh, it certainly is an interesting twist on what that syringe could be.
0: Well, let's jump forward uh, to the train job. Um, uh, when we look at when we look at the train job, we already talked about it a little bit. It is um, utterly disposable. Um, it is. I, you said that it was interesting. I will say this: it is not one of my favorite episodes of firefly um i don't know that having seen the train job that i like if i weren't already just a sucker for all things that are spacey um i don't know that i would have been in um for the next i just i uh it, it's fine and I, you you taught me how to say that word <laughs> um but it's i don't know it's i just feel like it you know, if there's there if there's the show never gets really bad if they're just like good and medium on the show, it's on the middle end of medium. It's it's like compared to Serenity, which is which is beautiful and wonderful, the train job is just not it's not up to par for me. Uh,
1: my thoughts on this are it is not nearly as deep as the first uh, episode, of course. I very much enjoyed it, um, especially in the sense that it really did show, hey, this is not just a space show, this is also a Wild West show, because you can't possibly get more Western than let's rob a freaking train. Sure. Uh, and that, sure. so it, it had good pacing to it. It definitely showed uh, that Mal, uh, it showed Mal's inherent goodness when they decide to return the medicine. Uh, like I said, it had that fantastic moment with Crow, where they kick him into the engine intake valve. Uh, and it also introduced a fantastic villain with Adeline Niska, uh, who... I believe was even wearing a three-piece suit again. Who was about as typical, like you know, robber baron uh, western as you could get. Uh, Just you know, it was chock full with a lot of colorful characters. Uh, Even though, so you know, again, a really good episode. Uh, Just it would have been great to know who these characters were before the episode began.
0: See, and I would say a really good episode compared to other TV shows. Um, I would not say it's a really good episode of Firefly. If like if I had to rank them, it would not be near the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to now. Here is the thing. Um, I understand the show's a space western, and the first episode, Serenity, not that much of a western. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next episode, Bushwhack, not that much of a western. This was like, hey, we're doing the western thing too, and I like it. I do like it, but it's just. It doesn't jibe with with the part of this show that makes that that like I. It's not the part of the show that I love, mm-hmm. um, and I you know I. It's fine. I would have been okay with it as a second episode. It's a fine second episode. I am like I feel like they like if this show if this show had a poison a a poison needle that would kill that would kill it not the other horrible thing um i feel like this this episode was the poison needle that killed the show um uh it was wow. never now here's the thing it's not that it's bad but it was never going to recover from not having a clear opening not having a clear thesis statement not grabbing not grabbing the audience with what the show is about what's the plight of the people the people are really interesting but you don't like care about their story um you know and even you know like i just, eesh, it's it's fine it's fine um
1: but it's 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 not well i think it sounds like i mean the general thing that we're saying is it makes a good second episode and a terrible first episode
0: yeah i i will i'll yeah. go with that um it's we go to thing per- that it well, well Sorry, what it ahead. also
1: does is this is also the first episode where the, uh, uh, where I would argue what the shows, at least the first season's big bad was clearly meant to be, uh, two by two hands of blue, the two men yeah. uh, with the blue hands, uh, the, cause the, you know, and the show never really gets a chance to really delve into what their deal is other than they're clearly agents of the Alliance and they want to bring, uh, and they want to bring river back, uh, And actually, I would say, because these are some of the biggest representatives of the alliance that we see, what we talked about in the last podcast is, well, maybe the alliance isn't really that bad of a government. It's just sort of, you know, a lot of uh, imperialist, colonialist things where it's just like, no, we want everyone to be unified and under one thing. Uh, This certainly, because these two agents uh, play such a powerful, pivotal role um, their presence is very dark. Uh, it it sort it, they certainly color our feeling towards the whole alliance as we watch it.
0: Now, here's an interesting thing, and again, this <clears throat> this may be um, this this may be uh, just urban legend. But my understanding is that these were just supposed to be two alliance officers, and that the blue hands were a last minute on set. Uh, decision um, to put the blue hands on and to add that in, and that uh, a- and that when it came time for other alliance people to show up, it was not intended for it to be the same two guys. But because the blue hands were evocative enough for them to be remembered, they just got the same actors back and put the same gloves on them. So well, that would be interesting. The, although, so, I mean, it's
1: certainly. I mean, River distinctly has that two by two hands of blue freak out quote
0: but we do know that joss writes on the fly that, yeah. that that you know that that he will go to the actors and say hey this is happening what's a cool thing that we can do like like he they've always kind of played you know fast and loose with doing that mm-hmm. um i i don't know which i like better the idea that this was all planned out or the idea that this evolved almost like you know when you did that uh when you did that kind of role-playing buffy at one point arthur had a a role-playing buffy group um that that existed over the course of years and and it the way you described it to me was that it wasn't always written out uh often it was it was just sort of conversations that developed as you sat there doing them and the story would create itself is that kind of correct
1: well i mean that's you've just described yeah core basis of role-playing games period is yeah, so the story's never written out ahead of
0: time. The idea that we're seeing this role-playing game a little bit within the creation of the show. I might like that better. No, that's, I, cool. might, I mean, I... it's part
1: of, you know, part of good directing, whether it's theatrical or film or something is it's a combination of, I always like to think of it as have a really good plan that you are completely ready to diverge from at a moment's notice. Uh, it's you do your prep work, you know your stuff, and then you will see. And the very fact that you do that prep work means that you will be better able to see opportun- spontaneous opportunities that jump out at you when the moment hits.
0: What would be uh, fun about doing episodic television, I would imagine, is that those decisions are made over the course of, you know, a week or two of, of you know, in once you're in performance, like mm-hmm. sudden sudden diversions. Uh, which then can, you know, if the show were to go seven seasons, that one diversion could have, you know, could have turned into, you know, like for instance, on, you know, on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the character of Wayun was supposed to be a one and done and he was killed and then they they liked him so much they decided to say, well, he is a clone. They brought him back um, and that made it so that all of the Vorta on DS9 were clones and that became whole thing and Mm -hmm. it was just because they wanted a way to bring this one actor back and suddenly the mechanism by which they were able to do that became you know three or four episodes worth of really interesting storytelling based on this one boy he did a good job we should bring him back so the idea of 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 it evolving constantly uh and the story Benjamin Changing. Linus,
1: uh, Benjamin Linus on lost was never supposed to end up being the head of the others or all those things. He was just supposed to be some guy and the viewers took to him so much that they were like, well, and I bet even on set they were looking him, was like, oh, this guy's great. We got to give him a bigger role. Yeah. Uh, my favorite so story of that is, uh, on Battlestar Galactica, you know how they, uh, the, all of their paper is octagonal, uh, uh-huh. You know, which makes no sense whatsoever when you think about how paper is, you know, the efficiency of manufacturing paper or something. It's because the prop guys did it as a joke once at the beginning. Uh, They literally cut the corners off the paper as a metaphor for how many corners they were having to cut uh, with the budget that they had. But that's amazing. The director looked at it. He was like, that looks kind of cool. Let's keep it. (laughs) Which That's I also so cool. imagine was a little bit of a, of a dig back at the prop guys. It was just like, ha, ah, that little prank that you pulled. Guess what? You now need to cut the pay. You now need to take the extra time to cut the corners off of every other piece of paper That's so that great. is on this show. <laughs>
0: um, I think we should jump ahead to Bushwhacked. Jump uh, to Bushwhacked. Third episode. Uh, may I? Go ahead. Serenity is pulled uh, wh- by a Tohoku-class cruiser while investigating a spaceship that was attacked by Reavers. Simon River must hide to prevent capture while something is wrong with the lone survivor of the attack spaceship. Um, again, Reavers. Scary. Mm. Scary Reavers, Reavers. scary. Scary Reavers.
1: Scary. Uh, scary Reavers.
0: Scary <laughs> Reavers. Reavers uh, chase. Reavers scary. Yeah, reaver scary, reaver's chase. Alliance, you know, alliance mistrusting. Although what I did find about this episode was that it wasn't immediately alliance shows up. They're not the empire. You know what I mean? Yeah. They they show up and they're they're cordial, <laughs> like it's it's they're not nice, but they're they're not you know they they make it real clear they're not the empire.
1: Yeah, here. it's a uh, there's to to borrow from a Dungeons and Dragons term. Uh, there's an alignment system in D and D basically where you can have nine things ranging from lawful good to chaotic evil Uh, alliance in this instance. And and when they talk about the different kinds of evil, lawful evil, neutral evil, chaotic evil, uh, chaotic evil, the reavers are the absolute embodiment of chaotic evil. Uh, You know, the Joker also being a good one of that, you know, literally somebody who just wants to watch the world burn, who want nothing but destruction for destruction's sake. Uh, The alliance can in many ways be described as lawful evil in the sense that, uh, you know, that a lot of actual governments can be described this way as like, no, no, we order is important. It creates a good society, uh, you know, but we have authority and our authority is going to be respected uh, and obeyed regardless of the circumstances uh and this was certainly that sort of thing here it's like you say they're they're very cordial to get but there's also you can tell that there's a prejudice inherent in the officer that uh just more drifter smuggler scum so is yeah. he is initially totally distrustful uh i mean i could go into uh i i could go into current metaphors in the conver- in the current national conversation around uh you know around police authority and things like that uh, i will not but you know Th- the threat is there
0: it's always there no that's the, the here's the reality of society no matter what you think is going on as long as you're nice and as long as you follow the rules you you are generally going to be okay um uh but if you have a different opinion about how things should go and decide to do it that way um uh they will kill you <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, my <laughs> i love my, my dad actually
1: he posted the best thing about uh, or he uh, he said a great way that actually really helped me understand uh, a functional judicial system. Uh, And he said, the purpose of a working justice system is not to understand every nuance and look out for everyone all the time. It is to screw everyone over with equality and predictability. Yeah, which which I love, which is that sense of it. It's very much that. And the best, uh, the best version of that is essentially just like, you know, if you go five miles over the speed limit and a cop pulls you over, your first thing is going to be like, what the hell? But then your second thing is going to be like, well, technically, you knew as soon as you did that, that there was this slight chance that you could get pulled over. Yeah, uh, and- it was. It, it's the predictability of it. It doesn't, it's not that, now, granted, um, you know, going five miles over the limit, nine times out of ten, in no way makes things any less safe. In fact, you possibly had a really good reason for doing it. But none of that matters. That's the law. That's the predictability of it. Um, again, the law does not seek to understand your individual situation. Agreed. Yeah.
0: Um, Shindig. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Other than <laughs> yeah, because bushwhacked. Other than that, doesn't really hit that much else. The uh, um, it does. I do want to talk on the one thing about the uh, the survivor that they find uh, from the reaver attack, who eventually yes. you know essentially goes reaver himself. Uh, which is an interesting commentary on the when you get faced with evil that bad it can change you completely.
0: Oh yeah. Is well I th- I think that's and and again, you know that goes back that's a that's a mirror to Mal's theme, isn't it? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, Mal faced evil that bad of a different kind and yeah. changed him. There's a uh uh
1: just to go into this really quick cuz I didn't realize that this interested me as much as it did until we just started talking about it. That concept of uh, what can happen to a person's soul. Uh, Western Judeo-Christian thought uh, very much ascribes to that, uh, to the you know biblical quote of, you can essentially, the uh, you can do whatever you want to my body, but you cannot have my soul. That will not change. That is protected and sacrosanct. Um, Eastern stuff, particularly some Japanese ghost stories that I've read, the thing that makes them truly terrifying is essentially lots of them are stories of this guy, which is he's a good guy, completely normal, but gets faced with something so terrible that it changes him completely, that uh, it's a story, there are stories of there are things out there That have the ability not just to destroy your body, but to also completely warp and corrupt your soul, Uh, and you will not have a choice in the matter. Which is, to me, quite frankly, terrifying as a thought.
0: Yeah, no. That you can that you can be. You know, we all we none of us like to imagine that we are somehow permanently damageable. You know, like the, that no matter what happens to us, we we can we want to believe that we can bounce back from everything. Mm-hmm. And and the introduction of that not being true because it's not true um, uh, is is something that's kind of disturbing to us uh, as human beings to begin with. But I, I would bet as Westerners even more so.
1: Yeah. well, oh, It's like uh, the Joker said in the killing joke uh, talking to Batman. He says, you know, the difference between you and me. One really
0: bad day yeah no and it's very very true yeah. um okay shindig moving on shindig no, oh no, what a November delight 1st. what a
1: happy little light fluffy one <laughs> this one is yes, so different than it, bushwalk it's it,
0: great it is and it's kaylee oh and, kaylee um uh i love i love um i we don't need to talk about much in the episode except for this um when she shows up uh, in Shinda, Kaylee goes to a fancy dance. Lots of other things happen, but Shaylee, Kaylee goes to a fancy dance. She wears a dress that is beautiful to her, that is ridiculous and embarrassing um, to every other you know snooty woman there in the dance. Mm-hmm. And when she walks in, you kind of feel bad for her, like like it's very much the uh, you know like when they did the Halloween episode of Buffy, and everybody kind of dressed cool, and and Willow dressed up in in you know in the 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 ghost thing yeah yeah well not not the ghost didn't wasn't she like a like like an Alaskan native like she was there the big fur coat like she like the the stereotypical eskimo like was like her Oh her. I forget I forget yeah. but, but but it's sort of that that that, that Kaylee was so excited to be wearing the thing that she was wearing and then she walks in and she's immediately outclassed by everybody in the room which mm-hmm. then she turns on its ear by being so knowledgeable of ships and stuff that she's surrounded by men
1: by surrounded uh, by all the men, yeah,
0: yeah, it's, it's and actually, that, yeah, this really is so much of
1: Kaylee's story, and it, it goes back to what you were talking about last episode with Mal is sometimes not a good person because uh, this thing whole starts this whole thing starts I think with Kaylee um, looking at the dress uh, and Mal making some comment trying to be joking or something about it I forget the exact quote but essentially intimating that well wouldn't that be kind of like putting a dress on a milk cow oh. And there's just that and just the the crestfallen nature of it. And, you know, I love how, um, you know, Zoe instantaneously is like, "Okay, but you better fix that and fix that fast, Uh, you know, so that. But to his credit, Mal sort of learns from that is that when he realizes he needs to go to the shindig with somebody and to bring Kaylee, he goes and he buys her the dress. Uh, Yeah, but it is. But that that moment with him just casually insulting Kaylee. Because it's the sort of thing that I think a lot of us have done, of just you know throwing something out that I was like, well, God, of course we're joking. Don't take it so personally and everything. Without realizing that, in that joke, we are actually revealing a little bit about how we really feel, and that's a problem.
0: Yeah, no, I I I think that Kaylee's vulnerability is the thing that that connects me to her. Um, uh, I literally kill everybody on the show don't hurt Kaylee yeah is 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 the way that that if I felt that way before this episode (coughs) um cements it for me I do have to uh uh talking about Kaylee um makes me to jump makes me want to jump by the way all the way back to uh the first episode Serenity um because there's a moment in that episode that's maybe my favorite moment in the entire show um uh that we skipped over which is uh kaylee's been injured gravely injured by a bullet wound That's and right. and uh and she's uh she's in the sick bay and uh and at one point uh Ma- uh, simon's in an argument with mal and and Mal, in the middle of the argument mal says well it's your fault kaylee's dead and there's this the, the music swells and <laughs> and, right. and Simon Simon runs in slow motion and you just like no you, you feel the emotion swelling and he arrives at sickbay, and Kaylee's there with a big smile on her face and she waves and Simon just goes, <laughs> the, the man's insane The man's insane <laughs> 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 which, which made me so happy it's, yeah <laughs> nothing in the world could make me happier than that so i just, it just i had to bring that up because we've totally forgot to talk about it
1: yeah that's true because that, that i mean again you've got a joss undercut in that uh but it also reveals so much but mal is that mal has the ability to be a complete and total dick so much um oh yeah. that's great oh i love it so much uh couple other things in shindig i talked a little bit about it last podcast with i loved at the end of it when uh you know when sir douchebag uh you know after getting bested by mal um the uh when he's just you know tells Anara you'll never work again she's like yeah totally doesn't work that way we've got a lot more power than you do you're never getting a companion again um i I loved that i loved that aspect of the society and you know um it
0: was, who, has uh, who has the power in that relationship? Has yeah. changed, and I love it. And uh, um,
1: the one thing I got to say the uh, the way that Mal wins the duel, it was a little. I wasn't that satisfied in the sense because the whole the way that he managed to win it. I mean, it makes sense for Mal because it was totally underhanded. Uh, it was the guy had Mal on point and was legitimately distracted because Inara had run over and said, "You know, wait, I'll marry you." So it was almost like the the duel was paused. And then Mal just completely sucker-punched the guy and took care of him, which, again, total Mal. Uh, but it, it was just like a... It is not the way that you expect your hero to win a duel. Because um, it wasn't even Mal doing something clever. It was more just like, oh, you know, the guy's back is turned while this woman pleads for my life, so I'll hit him now.
0: Yeah, no, I think that I think that the... What this episode does... For Nara, for Mal, for Kaylee, um, is kind of show. Like again, I would have been fine with. I, again, I keep going back to it. Serenity. Bushwack is is good for the for the the thesis of the show, and Shindig, you know, gives us you know the heart of these three characters. I think that 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 this is a crucial episode, um, and it uh, it hits the... S- It's funny because in Train Job, I said the Western stuff does not hit my sweet spot. And yet this episode totally hits my sweet spot. So Mm -hmm. um, uh, should we talk really quickly about safe? um, Yeah, I'm uh, also
1: feeling by the way, based on uh, based on the time that this one's going into And I was actually kind of halfway expecting this. I say we can finish the first six episodes in this one, and then we can get a whole other six episodes out of of another podcast. You
0: bastard! Yes, I'm (laughs) thinking the same thing. Uh, uh, Yo, let's do a couple more pop-offs to finish off Angel. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I know that was that was what. When was that? That was back at the beginning of. Uh, was that March or April? That we're like, yeah, no, we'll before. just do a couple of this, and we'll no, I, we'll, to- we'll totally be into to- totally super by you know the end of April at the very latest.
0: Yeah, but no, but look, how can we leave this behind, right? Like how yeah. how can we say, hey, we've talked all about Joss by, like without without doing this. This is mm-hmm. this is key to understanding him. Um. Anyway, safe is uh is. It's a tropey episode, uh, in that it's oh we found found some the na- the natives sure are dumb, um, but it uh, it does because a lot to we're talking exp- about safe now. Yeah, it does yeah. a lot to explain Simon and River. Um, I'm I'm a fan of flashback type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um uh I'm a fan of of Arrow, which does it. I loved Highlander, um, the TV show I loved a lot, even though it's cheesy, very cheesy early 90s stuff, but I still I love mm-hmm. it. Um Loved Lost. So uh so the idea of the flashback playing into the story that we're telling, I love a lot, and I love what we get to see of Simon and River.
1: Yeah. Here. The uh this is one the my my feelings towards River were kind of ambiguous for much of the much of the series in that it's it's like you said she's fo- almost four-dimensional um sometimes I feel like her brokenness was a little heavy-handed uh but again that's just me and this was certainly this is certainly an episode that deals a lot with her brokenness um but it really it fleshes out Simon and River. I mean, it's not like we didn't know that already, but it re- but it reinforces uh, the love that Simon has for her. Uh, I think the two big things that it does in this one, because this is the one where Book also gets injured, and the uh, you know, and there's a passing Alliance cruiser with a hospital on it, and Book just basically hands like an ID card to Mal and says, "Contact them. They'll take care of me." So this is the first and really in the series the only glimpse i think we get into just what the hell book was before he became a preacher um, yeah
0: i mean i think there are co- there 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 are a couple things you know going through but not, not, nothing ever quite as strong um if you want to learn more about that there is uh, a comic book called um, called serenity uh, the shepherd's tale um that goes into his history that is really worth reading mm, that's uh that sounds good i'm I'm almost disappointed by that just because
1: in the movie I loved so much when Mal was like, uh, you know, when Book made some reference to his past and Mal said, yeah, someday you're really going to have to tell me about that. And Book just turning to him and smiling. It's like, no, I don't. Which yeah, I almost it. felt like it was that was to the audience just as much as it was to Mal. Uh, yeah, no. I agree. And I kind of like that. Um, you know, the this sh- this episode certainly shows that Mal and the rest of the crew have accepted have fully accepted Simon and River as part of the crew when they're doing the rescue, and they, uh, you know, and the townies say, "But she's a witch." And Mal says, "Maybe, but she's our witch, so cut her down." Uh, in that moment, Mal, Mal essentially extends the full blanket of his protection onto her, uh, and uh, and does it in a in a way that we know, okay, he's not taking it back. Uh, it also is the show that spawned Jane's famous line of, well, let's go big, let's go be big damn heroes. Yeah, um, I love it.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think, and by the way, I think we're gonna have to do seven today because there are 14 episodes, not, uh, not oh, 12. Oh, right. Seven is fine. Um, so, uh, so as we go into the next episode, uh, the next three episodes, the show suddenly hits its absolute stride. Yes. To say these nothing. These
1: three are the ones where the, sh- yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right.
0: To say, like, the train job, you know, again, I feel like it's a little bit of a miss. Uh, Bushwhack's pretty good. Shindig's great. Uh, Safe is pretty good. And then to let you know where I was, and I've mentioned this before, I was, even after Shindig, I was not 100% in yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I The language of the show, which we talked about the, in the last po- podcast, really threw me. Like it really, really, really did the 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 shiny the 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 way that they 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 talked in a, an incredibly stylized way of speaking, um, half formal, half almost Shakespearean half uh you know old western it was it was jarring for me and i was not sure if i was invested Mm -hmm. and then these three episodes came uh the first two that we're gonna talk about tonight and then the third we'll talk about uh next week are mrs reynolds janestown and out of gas just boom 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 just greatness in a first season of a josh show that has never existed in the first season of a josh show um mm-hmm. it's so quickly there. Um we're starting with uh our Mrs. Reynolds on October fourth. Tell us all about that one.
1: Um this is one it is the it introduces uh the show's femme fatale, Saffron, who is fantastic and introduces it as uh I mean she completely had me fooled as very much this sweet, innocent uh I forget exactly how it was that Mal is I forget exactly how she came to be, essentially, uh, she told Mal, oh, I am now your wife. Uh, I think it might have been maybe because he rescued her from bandits or something like that. But essentially, we have this really sweet, innocent little woman uh, who clearly has been so messed up in the head by her indoctrination or training or something, you know, goes to Mal. And it's like, oh, I am now your wife. I will do what you want. Uh, which, of course, the rest of the crew ribs him on completely. It sends Mal into all sorts of weird uh, thoughts. It uh, gives rise to possibly Book's greatest line in the show, uh, which is when he goes, talks to Mal about it. And at first, he's very understanding and just sort of talks about things. And then he says, oh, by the way, if you kiss her, you will go to that special place in hell reserved for child molesters and people who talk in the theater. You know, and.
0: It's funny because I was always a fan of of that kind of kind of a a, a funny thing to say. I heard a uh, a podcast um, about the, it's called the um, a mighty fine shindig is the name of the podcast mm-hmm. about this show um, that uh, that absolutely um, gutted uh, my enjoyment of Lion. The of saying, you know, I understand that it's supposed to be a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost anything except child molesters in that would have been better to say, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, murderers and people who in in a theater, you know, the, it's you know uh, uh, war criminals and people talk in the theater, but the child molesters has a level of ick to it that, uh, that and I it,
1: can completely see there is it, it, it is interesting, um, you know, murderer yeah that's true war criminals murderers there is in our collective conscious. There is a way to, we can make that abstract enough that we can let it be a joke. Uh, You know, whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but that's just how it is. Um, But you're right. Child molesters, there is no way to fully make that abstract.
0: Uh, That's a very good point. Um, And, you know, I was, I'm sad to have had to do that to you and to you, uh, to you guys, listeners, because I loved that line. I thought that line was so great. And then, well, no, 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 don't don't be sad
1: about that. That's the that is this is progress. It is the I mean, let's be clear on the one hand, Joss Whedon is without doubt instrumental um, and a huge force in furthering uh, the cause of feminism and equality in television and stories and social justice. Huge progressive social justice person. There have been books written about all of the ways Buffy. Is not exactly great for women. Um, It can be both. The fact is, we can only hope that 50 to 100 years from now, we will look back on, uh, we will be looking back on these three shows and thinking, well, I guess they were good for their time, but man, they were so backward. That is, it is is okay to look at something from, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, I even think to, you know, back in the 90s. Uh, the concept of, or shoot, even a, a show that I, I'm diverging for a moment here. Uh, something that I wrote, a script I wrote for the fair a few years ago was it was, uh, you know, your traditional, it was a, it was a madcap farce brawl stunt show, uh, that started with the two leads drinking a love potion that caused them both to fall in love with this, uh, with a, with a, uh, jester girl. And so they're both chasing the girl around, uh, and at the end, the only way to break the po- the only way to break the spell is for each of the first mates of the two captains to uh, to go up and kiss them. So we have this, and it was this huh. lovely little uh, this lovely choreographed uh, double uh, double the, you know the men grabbed them and then bent them over, and we had two perfectly choreographed male on male kisses followed by which the first men immediately did the, you know, wipe their mouths and be like, oh, God, that was you. And uh, it was, you know, 10 years ago I wrote that, didn't really think too much of it, and, you know, now looking back, I'm just like, why do we find that so funny and gross? And suddenly yeah, I, know. It's, I, it's, I would not write that again.
0: Yeah, I know. That so. It's you're scared scared of, of perpetuating gay panic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's... it's I. It's it's a line that I understand the joke, it just doesn't work. Um I, mm-hmm. let's talk really quick about about uh not only Saffron, um, but uh but of course the actress playing Saffron. Um mm-hmm. um which is uh Christina Hendricks of Mad Men Fame. Um oh, I've never you're so right,
1: I didn't put that together. I've never seen her, course, an episode of Mad for Yeah.
0: I've never seen Mad Men. Has, is it good? Um, I have watched
1: the what well, you totally need to watch it because you like Connor. Uh, I know so much. yeah, the uh, Kelly and I have uh, we've gotten into it. We've watched like maybe the first half of the first season. it is it is indisputably good. It's just not my kind of good if that makes sense. Huh. Um, my feeling is if halfway through you know if by you know 12 to 13 episodes in the show hasn't fully grabbed me, uh, it's not that I'll say it's a bad show. it's just that I'll just say, you know I, I think I'm okay moving on to something else. Um, Again,
0: maybe one of the reasons that Firefly was such a phenomenal thing is that if a lot of people give up around 15 episodes in and then will go, well, it's pretty good, but just not for me. Those people would have finished Firefly. And even those people would be able to go, oh, it's pretty good. And they don't have to say it's not for them because they have finished it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an interesting thing. Uh, I also want to say that uh, the way that uh, she tries to seduce everyone on the crew... Um, I love that she tries to seduce Wash and Wash is having none of it. And Wash is just like, oh no, Zoe, 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 Zoe. Um, I I love that there's never a question because they could have done mm-hmm. that. A lesser show would have done that, right? A lesser show would have done, he's tempted yeah. to cheat on his wife. Yeah. It's absolutely not. It's just, nope, not nope. interested. I, I think the line all.
1: was he said, yeah, sorry, I'm married to a beautiful woman who could kill me with her pinky.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 brilliant that they would do that because I feel like so many shows would find the drama and having him not do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and it, um, what it does is it actually says um, in a way there's this because if he had also been tempted, uh, you know, when you have all the other guys on the ship being tempted too, it becomes this thing, not just guys. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly, but the uh, it becomes this thing of, like, oh, you know, a beautiful woman, uh, you know what, if a beautiful woman seduces you, then, you know, no man can resist that. Uh, when, in fact, it's saying, no, if you're a good guy, then yes. Yes, you can. You don't get yeah. that excuse. Uh, yeah, it's- yeah, if Wash can do it, so can you, I think is one of the things that's said by it, which I like. Um, uh- yeah, that's right, and I love how she tries to seduce Anara and Anar kind of warms to it, but then is like, wait, what's going on? But then ends up finding Mal knocked out and kisses him and gets the lipstick on her. And it's it's madcap. I love it.
0: Yeah, no, it is. It is. There's a, there's certainly a, uh, you know, a Jack Sparrow ishness to to the episode that I mm-hmm. like. Yeah. And um, it is
1: the introduction of uh, Vera, Jane's gun. Yes. Uh, yeah. Vera, which has gone on to become one of the greatest names for any gun ever. I just love it. Uh,
0: S- speaking of Jane, mm-hmm. do you like my segue? It's an incredible go, go segue. It.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. I see what you're about to do there. Speaking go Speaking of
0: on. Jane, uh, what if there was a town for him? Um, uh, episode seven, our last episode for tonight, uh, is Jane's town. Um, if only this episode had a song. <laughs>
1: Some kind of song with which we can relate to it. Yeah. Um, uh, so good. It's a delightful little song, and it's a delightful episode. It, um, you know the, the the quick recap of it is they go to a town where there's a statue built for Jane. He's like, "What the hell?" The last time I was here, I was just you know, I stole from everybody and then jettisoned the cargo. But of course the the townies, uh, you know, who essentially are living in a mining like they're living in a company town uh, where you know, the head boss has them completely under his thumb, but they have no way of getting around it. Uh, you know they see him as this hero who you know is this Robin Hood type figure Uh, and I like you talked before about how Jane is he starts off seeming like this two-dimensional character but then shows depth I actually really really like that this show doesn't go too far in that because for many shows uh, Jane would be this character that oh, look, he starts off two-dimensional, but really he's a scoundrel with a heart of gold and he's a big old softie and, and this episode is the one that makes him really realize his true self and he wants to be a good guy. And all this episode does is leave him feeling vaguely confused. Like, Jane is not a scoundrel with a heart of gold. He's a scoundrel with layers, but it's they don't... Um, He is not the he is not a Han Solo type at all. Uh, I kind of like the fact that even when they give Jane layers, it's still like, no, this guy is a mercenary through and through. He's got a little bit more depth to him than you might have at first thought. But there it is.
0: Yeah, no, he's he's. I don't feel like they 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 are backing away from who Jane was or what Jane is. Um, I agree with you in that. I think that they do change Jane by the end of this episode somewhat. Mm-hmm. I think that that this is the beginning of the Jane and Serenity who would eventually say, if you can't do something smart, do something good. Okay. Um, uh, this is the beginning of that. Yeah. Um, and I think that before that, he never he, the concept of consequences never really occurred to him.
1: Um mm. Yeah, so long-term consequences.
0: He is inc- incrementally growing without softening who he was before. Um, which is I think that's what you tend to want to do to go yeah, though, no, he's not that bad. Yeah, he is. He was. Yeah. He might get better. He's improving. Mm-hmm. But, but, but we're that's not gonna back a ba-
1: long way to go.
0: We're not gonna say that, oh, all along he was kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Um June's yeah. <clears throat> Do you remember the the rule, the words to the song? Uh, I think so. He, ah, uh, uh,
1: he robbed from the rich and he gave to the poor. Stood up for the man and he gave him what for? Our love for him now isn't hard to explain. The hero of Canton, the man they call
0: Jane. You mean that song? That one? Yeah. Um, yeah. That I've one. May, I, I've maybe seen you perform that in front of an audience that's true
1: that's possible it's don't don't tell me here here's the thing about that um and much of also in this is my own little snobbishness um of much also the uh, much other music that's on just weed and stuff it's good it's solid it's not i mean what this is is clearly it is sort of like a good old-fashioned folk song um it doesn't 100% grab me. It's not like something from uh, Christopher Guest's A Mighty Wind, like where it was just a satire on the folk music scene, and they satirized it by writing incredibly good folk music. Uh, This is more sort of a, this is a, you know, a nod to, oh, we're going to do a really good folk song. Um, That being said, I recognize that's probably my own music snobbery in it, and a song that makes literally millions of fans so happy to listen to you you have to acknowledge no that means it's a good song uh yeah i think i uh you know my wife and i some of our some of our uh music act is uh, a bit of geek folks what's the, what's the and name
0: le- of your music act
1: yeah well no the music to, act? <laughs> the what uh here's that? the thing um the the thing about doing hero of canton uh, in any kind of geek scene is it's it is very low-hanging fruit in terms of hey, what's sure. a good way to get the people to like you? I know, <laughs> let's do Hero of Canton. That being said, I am not at all above doing that for that exact reason. Um, the uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a funnel song.
0: Okay, it's called Rowan and the Rose. You guys should look <laughs> it up. Rowan R O W A N and the Rose. If you're not gonna plug, man, no, 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 you just, just yeah. These I'm, people, these people listening, want to know more. <laughs> to find more, it's important to them. Um,
1: one other thing I want to talk about with this this show also or this episode also goes into a little bit more of the budding romance between Kaylee and Simon. Yes, uh, which has that fantastic. Oh, Simon, you're such a doof. Uh, you know, they both get drunk on mother's milk uh, and then wake up together. But you know, Simon is and it really is. Now that I think of it. Uh, a real clash of social expectations. Simon in an attempt to be as good of a person as he can, he wants to respect Kaylee's propriety and you know he's like, oh no 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 nothing happened nothing no I would I wouldn't do that uh, because everything he's been raised to believe is that no no no, the woman is this you know you must court her and treat her with fragile gloves and meanwhile Kaylee when he says no, I wouldn't do that she sees that coming from her. Background of, we, sex is fun. She's like, so you're essentially saying, so you wouldn't have sex with me. Like, it's a tremendous yeah. insult to her. Uh, which she then does manage to turn around later on when, uh, you know, when they're talking later. And, uh, you know, and she casually mentions, like, so last night when, when you and I made love... And someone's like, wait, what? And she's like, oh, you are so easy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and I think this is, you know, the one the one place that and and again, this is I take some, you know, I I have no opinions of my own. I just listen to other Mm -hmm. podcasts and I say what they say. Mm -hmm. Um, Hey, genius is
1: hiding your sources.
0: Um I uh, but, but that would make me the opposite of a genius since I cite my sources. Um I yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's safe to say that uh the Simon Kaylee and the Zoe Wash relationships um I don't really seem to follow a chronological narrative flow because it seems like they're one thing one day and then they're progressed to this other thing the next day but then the next episode they're kind of back to where they were before. That um, is very true.
1: That's very true.
0: Um the progression is not seen as much. Now, again, first season stuff, they would have figured that out, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I it's, you know, it's a problem that you saw in early Buffy too. You never knew which Xander you were going to get. Yeah. Right? Was it going to be the Xander who is kind of a dick um mm-hmm. or was it going to be, you know, and not the Xander who is a who is a dick purposefully like he is at the, you know, Xander's purposefully a dick, you know, when he, you know, spoilers, uh leaves uh leaves Anya at the altar. He's a purposeful mm-hmm. dick then. But yeah. uh but Xander was just kind of a dick, mm-hmm. or sometimes he was really, really sweet. And it was the same mm-hmm. with Joyce. Joyce Sometimes he season, rides a skateboard. Yeah, Joyce in the first season of Buffy is the worst. She's a terrible mother and a terrible human being. And and then she's good and then she's not and then they finally find her find out exactly how she's best. Mm-hmm. Um, I think
1: that's one of the things that it, one of the reasons why Firefly sticks out is because all the characters, even though they had a few tweaks left on them, when this show started, the characters were much more fleshed out and fleshed out in a very likable way than much other television. Uh, so much we is, were, it, I, well, I think, it's and what the you world, were seeing. It's too. like we I were, mean, see, it's, it's... we were seeing, uh, we were seeing, you know, the kind, the level of characters we were seeing in season one of Firefly is what we would have expected from season three of any other show.
0: Well, and it's interesting. Uh, you know, We talk a lot on um, on the sister podcast of this, Trekoff, uh, about why a lot of people didn't watch DS Space Nine. And the reason you know people go, oh, I tried to get into DS9, I just couldn't get into it. And uh, the conclusion I've always reached is the reason that people weren't able to get into DS9 is because it was in its first season while Next Gen was in its sixth. Um, mm-hmm. And the quality differential between those two was just, it was, you couldn't compare them. Like mm-hmm. DS9 was not going to, to rank up there next to Star Trek The Next Generation that had found its stride and become one of the greatest television shows of all time. DS9 was not going to, to get there in that first season. And that's all you really have to grab people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it, it is incredible how realized this whole world and every one of these characters is. Um, can you imagine what it would have been six seasons in?
1: Again. Mm-hmm. Very much so.
0: It, breaks my heart
1: yeah before we before we wrap there's one final thing I want to talk about with Janestown just because it uh, you know uh, especially in this season you know book doesn't get the kind of love that a lot of the other characters do so I do want to focus on the scenes that he does play an important part Uh, this one had a nice little relationship build between him and River uh, when he walks in on River and she's sort of torn his Bible up and is sort of re-putting it back together Uh, I just love the 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 simple thing of uh, you know, Book being like, what the heck are you doing? And she says, well, I'm I'm trying to fix it. And he's like, well, no, you, you don't fix the Bible. And she says, well, it's broken. Uh, there's such a, it is with the childlike innocence of somebody essentially like calling out the emperor's got nothing on uh, in that. And then he has to go into, talk. you know, Book has to go into talking about the nuances of faith and everything like that. But it is this neat acknowledgement of at least on the surface, it's like, you know, there's a lot uh, you know, River clearly just saw a whole lot of the contradictory stuff in there. And I just love the image of her trying to tear pages out and then piece it back together. But I also like that after Book sort of explains it to her and she thinks she kind of get it, she holds on to it. Like Book tries to take it back and she's like, no. Uh, but then I think the real charm of this is, so Book is able to sit down with this, you know, more than a little crazy young woman. Have this deep conversation with her about faith and things like that. And then she comes back and sees him, you know, redoing his hair and gets so freaked out by the Einstein-like nature of his hair that she will not talk to the him ha- for the rest of the...
0: <laughs> the hair scene is insane. The hair scene. It's, a, because, it's like, amazing. That's, that's
1: what and, sets her off.
0: And everybody else's reaction to his hair as well mm-hmm. is, is, you know, it it has no place in a show like this for that to have happened.
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: is, that is, you know, that... that Is why this show is so great because even though what's happening on the on the planet side is also a little farcical this is this is like downright like ace ventura comedy right in the middle of everything it doesn't belong and yet it does belong because this is firefly and they could do that they can do that in the it's what joss does is Mm -hmm. is the a question i've been asked before was buffy a comedy
1: I love that that's a question. I love that. And that's a legit question.
0: <clears throat> like, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's hilarious. It's so, and that's what they say about, you know, the Avengers. What people were so surprised about when the Avengers came out was it's funny. Well, it's arguably it's and we'll, really funny. And we'll,
1: we'll, we'll talk about this when we get to totally super. But the one of the things I'm convinced that has really hampered DC films up until now is DC has a no joke rule in it. Their their superhero films all need to be so serious. Uh, which is if, why which is if, why if, Marvel if, has been completely outshining them and that I mean, shoot, even like with the first Iron Man, that was a funny, funny film that also happened to have some great moments of superheroism in action
0: if if only somehow uh, i don't want to say somehow because that that's a much darker story than we have time to get into now but uh what would happen one wonders if when the justice league uh, movie comes out if it were uh rewritten punched up and co-directed by joss whedon is a question that uh that i wonder mm-hmm. um, in that it's worth noting that what, this either- week this week of (laughs) this week of recording it was announced that the justice league movie um was uh being rewritten by and the final scenes in it um uh directed by joss whedon um but the circumstances are incredibly tragic surrounding Mm -hmm. that um and you know and you know Zack snyder stepped away for you know for family reasons that are completely uh understandable but i think that you know dc having joss whedon um helm the end of justice league and then turning around and making batgirl um mm-hmm. is you know is awesome so i just just yeah, a place to show in up. history this is this is the week this is the week that we all found out that that you know that they that they were like oh my gosh this horrible thing happened to Zack snyder he's got to step away is there anybody that we know who knows how to direct a group a, a group action superhero movie is there anybody <laughs> at all well, that guy who's directing Batgirl, I think he did it twice.
1: Well, I guess yeah, I guess Uwe Ball was busy that week. Yes.
0: Did I ever tell you the story I've talked talked about it on the show? Uh, my email from Uwe Ball. No. Yes.
1: Okay. For those <laughs> so, who don't know, Uwe Ball is possibly one of the worst directors in the history of directors. Uh, yeah. Like he's not even worst. a not not yeah. even a Tommy Wiseau so bad it's good sort of thing. Like his films include, I think, Dungeon Siege. Uh, House of the Dead, Blood Rain. Basically, he is the reason everyone always wonders why are all video game movies so bad? It's because of this man. This man yeah, right of- here. Blame him. Yeah,
0: so here's uh here's uh the the response. Uh and I won't tell everybody his email address, although I have it right here if anybody wants to email him. Um uh, I uh I had sent a screener copy of Ninjas vs. Zombies when it was done uh, uh, to, uh, to whoever I could get to you know, maybe put it out. And Uwe Bull mm-hmm. happens to have a company where he puts out other people's stuff. Now, the thing is, is my movie is schlocky too. He, the reasons his movies are bad is because they're multi-million dollar productions and mm-hmm. there's no excuse. Um, this is what he wrote to me. He wrote, we have to pass on the movie, but good luck. Your marketing concept and title is great. The movie Not. those are what that's what you have at least it
1: what at least it wasn't a form letter
0: i know no he was he was what if this is a form letter what if this is actually what he sends out like the (laughs) shitty email that he has prepared to send out to other filmmakers i mean the
1: thing is the market your marketing concept and title was
0: great yeah, um, uh, the movie, I guess, did not live up to his high standards, which either <laughs> means that it's it's a pretty good movie, or it means it's so bad, even you and Paul was like, listen, that, that scene with that dude who is unzipping the, the girls' hoodies over and over again, mm-hmm. that dude is the only good thing about this movie. I,
1: Justin, I can tell you with 100% honesty, even if, even if I had had nothing to do with Ninjas vs. Zombies... I would have enjoyed watching that film more than literally any of Uwe
0: Ball's movies. <laughs> so, anyway, that's uh, that's <laughs> I, you all get to you all get to hear this story now. So oh, there, that's you go. awesome. Well, I think um, on that.
1: On that happening, yeah. we should start wrapping things up. So next time, we're going to go ahead. We're going to start with out of gas, which
0: oh my gosh. I think is
1: arguably possible. is just the I, I I'll just say it for me. It is the best episode in the series. It's just I, perfection.
0: I love objects in space, which we're also going to, and the message is also great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh so many good things happening, including Jane's hat. And cool, um, oh, so much good
1: stuff to look <clears throat> forward to.
0: really. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but listen, um,
1: just so you know, <laughs> I'd also coming. like to, I'd also like to say a quick hello to all of the fans who are joining us. Cause we're finally starting to talk about Firefly. Go watch and, Buffy. You know, go
0: watch Buffy and Angel. Know your roots people. Um, Sorry. Go. Uh, uh, so we, uh, are going to have that and then it's going to be Serenity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's going to be uh, kind of a, a a look back at pop off and 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 what pop up was and is and uh, sort of a capstone, and that's uh, that's it for this show, guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, uh, but the totally super podcast is coming uh, soon after that uh, with our uh, very first episode, which is going to be a review of Doctor Horrible Sing Along Blog. Mm-hmm. So uh, great stuff coming in the future. But for now, go ahead,
1: lead us out. Well. Leaving for today, I'm Arthur.
0: My name is Justin. And we are popping off. Papa! The Totally Super Podcast is coming to Geeks Radio. Justin and Arthur review every superhero movie ever made. Search for Totally Super Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Totally Super Podcast 2017.